When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You can find us on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and just about everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And coming soon to iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or email me at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. If you'd like to participate in the show, you can call in at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. And you can leave your questions or comments, and we might use it in a future show. Well, if you want an object lesson in the value of having a constitution with a Bill of Rights that recognizes your inalienable rights, look no further than what is happening now in New Zealand. The uh, leftist government there, in just a matter of just a little over a week, has rescinded the gun rights of the uh, people in New Zealand. And, uh, and on top of that, uh, taking a big step backwards uh, toward free speech, a really uh, breathtaking um, event restricting New Zealanders' rights to free speech. So they didn't put it to a referendum. They didn't consult with their uh, parliament over there. Just unilaterally, the president and her cabinet um, banned semi-automatic weapons that's both long guns and pistols uh, from the uh, from the New Zealand people, and uh, you know we're very blessed in this country. Our founders had the foresight to recognize our God-given rights and enumerate them in our governing documents. Uh, we're one of the very few uh, places in Western civilization where that's that's the fact. They don't have a constitution to protect their rights to speech or bear arms or uh, against unreasonable search and seizures or any of that in England or New Zealand or Australia. And just with a stroke of a pen, the people that they elected to represent their interests have now disarmed them, and uh, there's going to be gun gun confiscation very similar to what we uh, witnessed in Australia. I guess that's been about 20 years ago now when they they took everybody's uh, weapons away. So the first clip I'm going to play you in today's show is uh, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Jacinda Ardens, and uh, she's going to be bragging about how she uh, 
as a result of this provocation from this uh, this mosque mass killer, uh, she has uh, basically trampled all over the rights to defend and protect themselves and their nation from the New Zealand people. So th- this is uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister bragging about this uh, <laughs> this great accomplishment of representative government, basically. Uh, putting the foot on the neck of the rights of their own people. An easy availability of these weapons must end. And today, they will. Today, I'm announcing that New Zealand will ban all military-style semi-automatic weapons. We will also ban all assault rifles. We will ban all high-capacity magazines. We will ban all parts with the ability to convert semi-automatic or any other type of firearm into a military-style semi-automatic weapon. We will ban parts that cause a firearm to generate semi-automatic, automatic or close to automatic gunfire. In short, every semi-automatic weapon used in the terrorist attack on Friday will be banned in this country. Well, from the description she gave there, it will be those weapons and many more. Uh, the the list she read off uh, encompassed many more weapons than just the AK-47 and similar style uh, semi-automatic uh, long guns. She's talking about uh, guns that are normally considered for hunting as well, semi-automatic uh, 3030s and 30-06s and uh, even shotguns. Uh, so this is uh, she's basically just disarmed her citizenry. It sounds like, uh, given the extensive description she made of the banned weapons there, the only thing that's going to be available to their people are, um, uh, I guess, revolvers uh, in the in the uh, handgun uh, and in bolt action or um, lever action in the the long gun. I can tell you uh, that the criminals are not going to comply with this. The criminals will continue to uh, have uh, their citizens out out uh, out guns now, and anybody considering an invasion of New Zealand will not have to worry about an armed citizenry uh, uh, resisting their efforts. And I know you know that seems like a far fetched uh, scenario at this point, but uh, we don't know what the future holds. And uh, as the planet becomes more and more overcrowded and uh, and the uh, red communist Chinese dictatorship uh, becomes more and more powerful. It is a very, very bad idea for a South Pacific Island nation like New Zealand, much less Australia, to be disarming their citizenry. It's um, it, it makes you fear for the future in this country because the left is already saying that this is how it's done. This is how you go about it. You have one, uh, and in this case, this is the one and only instance of this in New Zealand. Uh, you have one instance and you use that as a justification for trampling on the rights of your own citizens. And I doubt very seriously that, uh, when, uh, prime minister Arden, Ardern, was elected that she ran on this platform. It was uh, it was not uh, put to the vote a uh, vote of the parliament, the people's representatives. Uh, it was not put to a referendum. 
The prime minister and her government simply impose this on the people uh, without allowing the people to have a say whether or not they agreed with this uh, this at all. Man, it, it just really blows your mind. Uh, it's obviously a leftist government over there. Uh, you, you don't have to be that committed to, uh, to civil rights uh, to realize what a overreach on behalf of the uh, New Zealand government this is. In addition to taking away the gun rights of their citizens, uh, New Zealand has, uh, has made an assault on their uh, free speech rights as well by banning the sale of a book and it wasn't Mein Kampf. It wasn't um, the uh, the Elders of Zion. It wasn't any of any sort of radical book. It was simply the Twelve Rules for Life book uh, by Jordan Peterson, at, under pressure from uh, from their left um, left wing um, agitators over there. They've gone in and. And um, and banned Jordan Peterson's book. Uh, he was scheduled to come there to promote the book, and ahead of that, uh, some of these far left um, interest groups. Actually, it's a, <clears throat> a sort of a terrorist group in itself that uh, that went after Jordan Peterson, and uh, and they've banned his book, so he's got nothing to promote now. It hardly makes any sense to go over there and promote a book if the sale of that book is banned. This is sort of a, a long clip I'm going to play you here. It's a little bit over two minutes, but this is Jordan Peterson. He's, he's um, Skyping from Australia, where uh, his next stop on his promotion tour was set to be New Zealand, uh, commenting on... Actually, this took place before they banned the book. This was actually when they were agitating to, to ban the book. And uh, he's going to give you a little setup. And then I'm going to play you uh, some clips from an interview of the uh, the header, the leader of the group that, um, that had the book banned. But uh, here's Jordan Peterson. Hi, everyone. I'm in Australia and New Zealand, off to New Zealand in the next couple of days. And I thought I'd bring you up to date with a story that's been breaking there that's of some substantial interest and a certain degree of absurdity. As I say, this occurred prior to uh, the mosque shooting and prior to the recent announcement that Jordan Peterson's book was going to be banned. A group there known as Auckland Peace Action released a press release on Monday 11th of February 2019 stating... Quote, Jordan Peterson threatens everything of value in our society, which I had to admit was rather impressive because that's not an easy thing to manage. Anyways, I'll read you a little bit of it. What happened after the release was that a journalist, Sean Plunkett, interviewed the author or the spokesperson of this particular press release and um, then we had a chance to talk the next day and so what you're going to see in this video is me reading the press release then you're going to see Sean interviewing Iris Krasosiak I hope I've got that reasonably right of Auckland Peace Action and then you're going to see the full interview that I had with Sean the next day so here goes Jordan Peterson threatens everything of value in our society. 
In the lead up to Jordan Peterson's visit to New Zealand, we have a duty to condemn his sexist, queerphobic, racist, and deeply reactionary views, says Iris Krizosiak of Auckland Peace Action. Jordan Peterson, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, turned right-wing media celebrity, is in New Zealand to promote his book, 12 Rules for Life. This book, while offering superficially useful life advice to an audience of disaffected white men, promotes a reactionary, misogynistic view of the world utterly in opposition to New Zealand values. While we as a country have many problems, we can be justly proud of our values of gender equality, egalitarianism, and social inclusivity, says Ms. Krizyasak. Jordan Peterson is actively trying to undermine these values. This is distinctly unhelpful. Now, this Ms. Krasiskiak is uh, actually a transgender male, uh, but uh, basically the the government in New Zealand has uh, collapsed or, or uh, uh, capitulated to this uh, this group of uh, radical leftists and have banned a perfectly reasonable book by an eminent scholar uh, that uh, is not a hate book, cannot be construed as a hate book in any sort of way, simply by saying that uh, white men, uh, they call them disaffected white men in the press release, uh, like to read Jordan Peterson. They have, uh, by implication, determined that they're going to ban Jordan Peterson's book. I've got a, a clip here from that interview that uh, Jordan Peterson referenced there. It's a talk show host in New Zealand named Sean Plunkett interviewing this uh, person, uh, Iris Krasitskiak, and I don't care if I got that correct or not, uh, on on her um, justifications for trying to basically ban books. And as I say, this is, this is not Mein Kampf. It's not... Uh, uh, protocols of the elders of Zion. It's it's not anything like that. It's simply a scholarly work, uh, sort of written in a a popular style, on self improvement. Uh, here is uh, the first clip from this interview. Iris, your group has come out with a press release yesterday that got some coverage, saying Jordan Peterson threatens everything of value in our society. Why? Why does telling kids to clean their room up? represent the end of civilization as we know it? What I would say as such is that telling kids to clean their room is probably not a bad thing. Probably not a bad thing to tell people to clean their rooms. Oh, well, I guess that uh, is quite a concession there from Iris. The issue comes with that is, you know, pretty far from all that Jordan Peterson is doing. Not really. That's what his book's about. That's what he's promoting on his tour. Isn't it? I would say not. If you can, like, I mean, if you take a look at some of what's actually said in the book and many of the media comments he has made elsewhere, it seems quite clear that he has some seriously problematic views. Name one. Like, okay, so let's see. Let's begin with the kind of... So his interview with Camille Pallier, um, yeah. wherein he effectively has said that, said that, well, you know, he believes that in discussions with men, he knows how to, you know, he knows where he stands more or less because 
kind of a gift of honour or something is backed by the threat of physical force. Yeah, his argument is that men can put um, uh, men are better at putting barriers around social interaction between each other because there is the implicit and underlying um, reality that if things get out of control when men have a conversation, there is the possibility of physical violence. And he says that subconscious check on how far or how, if you like, bitchy a conversation can get is tempered by that knowledge. I don't see, does, does that very suggestion or idea, which I know a lot of people agree with, does that threaten Western civilization and the very foundations and everything of value in our society? Well, well actually, it's just a, a, a common sense observation. They know that, uh, you know, men are subject to be more polite in their conversations with each other because if, if they aren't, they're liable to get punched in the jaw. Uh, and that that is a, a a legitimate observation that that is uh, why com- uh, uh, interactions between men uh, sometimes remain more uh, polite and restrained than uh, conversations between women. It's a valuable observation and something that could really be used to build on in our relations with each other. But this guy wants to ban a book that even takes notice of it. Uh, let's hear this this lunatic react. Well, I'm not going to speak about West. I won't speak about Western civilization, and you know whether that whether that concept even makes sense. But if you consider something like, say, I mean, consider basically how that's going, how that kind of statement is going to be read. No, I think it's um, going to be read by me saying, yeah, we need to think about, you know, the differences, the biological and I guess behavioural differences between sexes. And we need to talk about these things honestly and openly if we're going to make progress on some of the issues uh, of gender in our society. All right. But on a cultural milieu where, frankly, homosexuals are still getting beaten up, we have yeah. a ridiculous rates of domestic partner violence. Yeah. Frankly, in the last few months... So, so had, just, you know, just want to check. Has, has yep. Jordan Peterson, to your knowledge, ever beaten his wife or beaten up a homosexual? No. Has he ever advocated people beat their wives or beat homosexuals? I don't believe he has. No. Okay, so that would be a no, I, right. Can I please um, could I please continue? Yeah. So... The fact of the matter is that Jordan Peterson has a large platform. There are many people paying attention to him. Yeah. And if you're making statements in such a situation, it is vitally important that you kind of that the statements you make cannot be misread in such a way as to promote. Which is he's hardly responsible. This guy is a lunatic. He's basically saying because this guy has a following of people who I resent and don't like. Uh, and he's saying things that I can somehow construe, however unreasonably and fantastically, that he's advocating uh, violence against a protected class, that we have the right to shut him up, ban his book, and keep him from engaging in a scholarly um, career in investigating normal human interactions. It's really quite amazing, and you would have thought that it would be so ridiculous as to be laughed off the stage, but now, not only has the government of New Zealand uh, disarmed their own citizens, but now they're trampling all over their own citizens' free speech uh, rights and uh, to, to read 
books, perfectly reasonable scholarly books from uh, with with verboten or, or opinions verboten to the far left wing. I'll carry on with this interview. The way the statements are being read in the media, including by some people. Yeah, well, he can't be responsible for the stupidity of people reading his statements, can he? Again, as I'm saying, so do you think that people are not responsible for... Do you think that, do you feel that people are never responsible for the effects of the things they say? Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, no, not particularly, but I'd also say that so, it would seem to me from my observation of the impact that Jordan Peterson has had on people's lives that it's been overwhelmingly positive for a huge number of people, which is why he's so incredibly popular. Um, I would point out that you can say the same thing about a lot of fascist movements. They have a very positive effect on the lives of many young are people. You so- oh, my God, he's, he's saying... Yes, Jordan Peterson has a positive effect, but so uh, so have some fascists, and therefore we have to shut Jordan Peterson up. Can you imagine the the thought processes, the utter infection of victimhood culture it would take to arrive at a conclusion like that, and the fact that this sort of lunacy has now become uh, basically a de facto policy of the New Zealand government that's not going to allow its citizens to read verboten opinions is mind-blowing. But back to the lunatic. Saying that he's a fascist. No, I'm not saying that he's oh, a fascist. Okay. Good. I am saying that he is I am saying that he is exploiting a lot of the same kind of basic How's you know, he exploiting anything? Society, he which... doesn't compel anyone to go to his talks to look at his stuff on YouTube. How's that expo- exploiting anyone? I'm not saying I mean exploiting in the terms of he is using the same tra- like he is using the same basic psychological mechanisms to build his base. Well, what base? He's just saying what he thinks and people happen to be... Well, what psychological mechanisms is he using? Self-improvement? Trying to understand human interactions? That's his job. He is a doctor of psychology. And people are trying to understand these issues so that they can get along better and understand each other better. It's a perfectly legitimate exercise. Yes, Jordan Peterson pushes back on a lot of this left-wing, politically correct... Um, victimhood culture, but he certainly ought to have the the freedom to write and be read about it. If we're going to start ban- banning people as uh, perfectly reasonable and mainstream as Jordan Peterson, there is going to be a whole spectrum of debate that's going to be outlawed. We're we're in 1984 Orwellian uh, type territory here, and the fact that this guy who's a leader of a, a group that uh, has engaged in uh, violence and threats of violence itself in order to try to shut uh, people who disagree with them up is being internalized in, into New Zealand government policy is mind-blowing. Interesting. Are you suggesting he's running some campaign to destroy the Western world? Hardly. I just think yeah, that right. very real- I, I just think that he is a very irresponsible man who is making... Okay, well, let, well, let's talk about... Let's, let's talk. I think he's irresponsible, and then, therefore, we must shut him up because he is irresponsible, in my opinion, not in any objective opinion, but in the opinion of a, a, a an unstable, far-left reactionary.
Talk about responsibility, shall we? And your group, Auckland Peace Action. Um, you would like people not to go and see certain films and you're happy to physically intercede to stop them seeing certain films and in fact your Wellington branch bought fake bombs to create uh, terror at, in 2018 at a film festival and stop people watching a film about Ben Gurion, right? Is that right, Iris? It's actually correct, so you're putting a very negative spin on that. <laughs> you're putting a very negative spin on the fact that we tried to keep people from viewing a movie with bomb threats and actually fake bombs. You're not looking, you're just not looking at the, the right side of this issue. Oh my God. These are people that uh, in New Zealand that have a, a, a legacy of Western civilization and it just, you know, goes to show you how far uh, off of the of the deep end the left is willing to take you when they're basically book banning and book burning. Then on the other side of this uh, this debate, we've got what, what's going on uh, over in Europe. In Italy, a, um, a Senegalese refugee hijacked a, um, a school bus full of children drove it around an hour threatening, uh, and, and he, he handcuffed many of the children. He drove this bus around for an hour, threatening the kids and their uh, the driver with a knife, uh, threatening to kill them. He said in retaliation for Africans dying at sea, attempting to, uh, to immigrate to Europe. And, of course, he's blaming Salvini, because Salvini said, we've taken all of the refugees we can, and we're not going to take any more. And so this man, he's reported to be in his 40s, took this bus carrying uh, uh, middle school children, hijacked it for uh, over an hour before finally being intercepted by the police. And when he did, he attempted to set the bus on fire. He had a can of gasoline and set the bus on fire, burned the bus to the ground, and thankfully... The police officers were able to evacuate the children out of the back of the bus, and none of them were were um, injured. But that was not the intention. The intention of this refugee that had been taken in by uh, the Italians was to kill the children on that bus. Now, do you think that that's going to get nearly the coverage and play that uh, the massacre over in New Zealand received? Do you think it will have uh, a quick response from the government, similar to what happened in New Zealand, I, I, I would encourage you to go online and uh, and YouTube this um, this burning of this school bus and uh, these these children screaming as they fled for their lives, and um, and and just decide for yourself what you think the state of of um, of our civilization is. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on in New Zealand. There's some uh, some other really uh, breathtaking developments around this whole uh, massacre. And, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on right here in this country with Fox News. Stand by. We'll be right back after these messages.
As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So if banning uh, the private ownership of semi-automatic weapons and um, banning books in New Zealand were not enough, the the government over there has uh, decided that on Friday they're going to broadcast the Muslim call to prayer over all of their television and radio stations, and I would assume to be uh, broadcast on loudspeaker in their big cities, uh, similar to what goes on in London and Paris and Amsterdam and other European cities and right here in Hamtramck, Michigan as well. But they're going to broadcast the Muslim call to prayer, and they're going to encourage New Zealand women nationwide to wear the hijab. They're going to call it the Headscarf for Harmony campaign, but what it is is a hijab. And basically, this is, uh, this is what uh, surrender, submission looks like. This is what submission looks like. In their zeal to declare solidarity uh, with the Muslim victims of this this group, they're basically going to subjugate and give state sanction to uh, religious uh, practices that would never be sanctioned or tolerated to be endorsed by the government if they were Christian. You try putting a uh, a call to prayer for a Christian uh, organization on the uh, on the state-owned televisions and radio stations in New Zealand, and you would see a backlash that would be swift and uh, and devastating. It would uh, it would ban that. They would be tied up in court. It would never ever be allowed. But uh, it's going to to be allowed and and uh, sanctioned by the New Zealand government in response to this this horrific event over there. You know if if this. Uh, mosque shooter were trying to damage New Zealand and and other Western nations, he could not have done a better job. And it makes you wonder whether, in fact, you know, his stated intentions, I don't want to go all Alex Jones on you, but uh, wasn't a false flag because the way he labeled his weapon, you know, with the names of other mass shooters, none of them, by the way, um, you know, Muslim mass shooters, like the ones that uh, shot up the body, uh, Bodiglan over in Paris or the Pulse nightclub here in Orlando. But um, it was almost as if it was purposely um, conducted in order to create a backlash that would cause people to lose their right to keep and bear arms. And now they're going to have New Zealand women uh, going around in a, uh, a sign of Muslim oppression, the hijab, 
I found a clip online when I was searching. It's it's not in, it's not directly related uh, to this. It's it's more related to what's going on uh, with Ilhar Omar uh, right here in this country. But this is Katie Hopkins talking about uh, how uh, Sharia law and these uh, these Muslim oppressive Muslim tactics uh, can invade uh, Western uh, governments. And uh, she's talking about, uh, as I say, uh, the reaction of Ilhar, Ilhar Omar in the United States. America needs to wake up to Ilhan Omar. She's changing right before your eyes. And there are three simple steps to the Islamification of politics. We've already lived it here in the UK. Number one, you have a voting block of people that are densely packed together. The same community, Somali communities, Bangladeshi communities, four families living where one family used to live. And now you have them voting according to their religion, facilitated by the mosque. Funding can flow in. You have the Muslim Housing Association. We have a Muslim Police Association. We have events, especially for the Muslim community of London. We have an Eid celebration in the middle of London in Trafalgar Square, paid for by the Muslim Mayor of London to keep his voting bloc happy. And once you have people... So at the same time they're arresting Christians for preaching in the street, you've got the uh, the government over there in London actually paying for uh, Muslim, and they insist it's religion despite the fact that it's a, a sort of a, a theocratic form of government uh, designed for conquest, but they insist it's a religion, and they, they're funding it through the government. At the same time they're arresting Christians for simply engaging and their right to free speech. It's really um, Orwellian to the point where you almost can't even uh, wrap your mind around how far it's gone. Back to Katie Hopkins. People voting according to their religion, funded by funding streams coming in from God knows where, you'll see... God knows where it's coming in from uh, Saudi Arabia that uh, is funding the construction of Wahhabist mosques throughout Europe and the United States, uh, taking advantage of of our open societies to try to implement um, a religion that uh, advocates anything but openness. And uh, and we're just, you know, like the uh, the complete idiots that are allowing this to happen. The changes start to happen. You're seeing them now. For us, it means that we no longer have bikinis on our underground because it would be offensive to some of the locals. It means that certain individuals can no longer come to our country because we don't want to upset local communities. And it means that Asia Bibi, for example, a Christian woman, was not given a place to stay in the UK because we don't want to upset local communities. If you're not familiar who Asia Bibi is, she uh, is a Christian uh, woman in Pakistan who had the audacity to try to drink from the well. It caused riots and attempted uh, attempts on her life. She has been banned. Um, She lives in fear constantly, and she tried to find refuge in England, and the government of England denied her refuge despite the fact that they're welcoming in Muslims from 
uh, terrorist nations uh, who they don't know who they are and are, are in fact allowing uh, Muslims who went and fought for ISIS to uh, to return to England. They're denying Asia Bibi um, asylum when she desperately needs it. Again, it's a situation where uh, they're discriminating against Christians based on their religious beliefs while at the same time completely capitulating to Muslims because of their religious beliefs. Once you have Islam in political power, your culture starts to change rapidly. You started this by allowing head coverings to be worn inside your positions of power. You've seen Ilhan Omar change from having this kind of modern-looking, exotic-looking, bright orange, how very fabulous, into now this darker, blacker head covering. Now we're coming out and speaking out against Israel. Now we're saying that the president should be impeached. Now we're standing by the socialist Maduro in Venezuela. America needs to wake up to Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar and Rashid Tlaib and the rest of them, they are from, uh, they are, are adherents to a religion, as I say, that is designed to be a theocracy that's designed to subjugate uh, any inv- any nation that, uh, that they enter where it is allowed to get a foothold. And, of course, Fox News' uh, Judge Janine um, pointed that out on her show that uh, Sharia law is incompatible with the Constitution, and somebody needs to ask Ilhan Omar uh, if she puts the Constitution above or below Sharia law. Of course, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, that paragon of civil rights uh, organizations, it's actually a terrorist funding organization masquerading as a civil rights organization. They're leading a campaign to try to uh, kick Judge Pirro off the air, and uh, while they're at it, they're going after Tucker Carlson as well. And uh, and they succeeded with uh, Judge uh, Pirro. She's been suspended from Fox News for at least two weeks now. They haven't said uh, anything about going after Tucker. Tucker's, uh, you know, got his own uh, fights um, as well. But as Fox News transitions into this new organization with Lynch on Murdoch at the helm, we can expect, uh, you know, that uh, the left uh, left wing ideology will further and further infect that organization. And we're going to hear less and less of opposing points of view to the left. Michelle Malkin tweeted out um, after this, um, she said, the speech-shifting jihad apologists Care International have blocked me. Make sure they know that their bullying uh, won't go unanswered. Uh, that, that wasn't the clip I meant to say. They won't stop, so you can't stop. Jihad apologists Care National tweeting yet another call to radical Muslims to bully uh, St. Barbara's Hospital, uh, they're an organization that had given an award to Judge Pirro that uh, they're trying to get to rescind the award, CARE is. Um, uh, here's the, the tweet I was looking for from Michelle Malkin. She said, CARE's sower of divisions thrive on violence, whether Muslims are the victims or the perpetrators. They, came, they claim backlash if jihadists strike. It's always our fault, our responsibility to curtail speech and give up Second Amendment rights, undergo sensitivity training, and apologize 
for everything enough. So if you're not familiar with the Council on uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, uh, I've got a clip for you here. It's sort of a long clip. I think it runs about uh, almost three minutes with um, Mark Levin explaining just exactly who these people are and how they operate. Our friends at the Clarion Project, an outstanding group, an outstanding site. The Council on American-Islamic Relations describes itself as America's largest Islamic civil liberties group. In reality, CARE grew out of the Islamic Association for Palestine, AIP, a group founded in 1981 by Hamas member Musa Abu Marzouk. Marzouk is now a senior Hamas official. U.S. Muslim Brotherhood documents clearly identify the, AI, the IAP, the Islamic Association for Palestine, as one of its fronts, that is Hamas's fronts. In 1993, the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood Palestine Committee organized a secret meeting in Philadelphia that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, wiretapped. That participants, which included two future CARE founders, Nihad Awad, the man you just heard from, who demands that Tucker Carlson and Janine Pirro be fired or they're going to run a boycott against Fox. Nihad Awad and Omar Ahmad discussed how to support Hamas. And in the words of a 2009 ruling by a federal judge, quote, goals, strategies and American perceptions of the Muslim Brotherhood, unquote. Ahmad was recorded discussing how to modify language about destroying Israel for an American audience. The need to create a new neutral entity for influencing U.S. policy and opinion was agreed upon because, as they said, quote, it is known who we are, unquote. CARE was formed by Iwad and Ahmad the next year. In 1994, U.S. Muslim Brotherhood Palestine Committee meeting agenda includes, quote, suggestions to develop work of CARE and IOP. In 2007, the U.S. government labeled CARE an unindicted co-conspirator in the trial of the Holy Land Foundation for financing the Hamas terrorist group. CARE was listed among, quote, individuals, entities who are, were members of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood's Palestine Committee and or its organizations, unquote. The Palestine Committee is a secret body set up to advance the Brotherhood slash Hamas agenda. In 2007, a case against convicted terrorist Sabri Bekala, federal prosecutors claimed from its founding by Muslim Brotherhood leaders, CARE conspired with other affiliates of the Muslim Brotherhood to support terrorists. The conspirators agreed to use deception to conceal from the American public their connections to terrorism. So none of this is a secret. This has been known for quite some time that CARE um, has been identified as an unindicted co-conspirator in the funding of a terrorist organization, Iranian-backed Hamas. And yet, they've got the nerve uh, to be going around to advertisers demanding that they shut Judge Janine Shapiro up and Tucker Carlson and toss them both off the air for daring to observe what is plainly uh, visible and what uh, what people are, are asking. Again, this is an effort to silence uh, speech with which uh, with which these people don't agree it 
ladies and gentlemen, it makes you wonder whether or not Western civilization any longer has the will to survive or the strength to survive. We've been so infected, we've allowed the cultural Marxists to take hold in our universities and brainwash people so bad that down is up and up is down and, and people aren't able to to think um, you know, clearly. It's not even clearly, just uh, obviously. They can't even see the, the nose in front of their face. I've got a clip here. This is David Horowitz trying to explain uh, the difference between the mindset of conservatives and leftists um, to just to try to make some sense of how um, of how scrambled their thought processes are, and to, to try to give you some insight into understanding it. Progressives, I hate that term, progressive. There's nothing uh, progressive as in uh, moving toward progress on the left. It's another uh, one of their tactics of uh, hijacking the language in order to deceive people. But this is not progress. Putting on a hijab is not progress. Taking away people's uh, rights to read books is not progress. Promising people a... um, a guaranteed income, regardless of their willingness to work for it, is not progress. It's the opposite of progress. So like most things on the left, it's uh, completely opposite of what they're, they're telling you it is. But back to Horowitz. Are focused on the future. And what's the chief characteristic of the future? It's imaginary. It's never the future they are focused on never existed in human history. And as conservatives, we understand it can never exist. It's an impossible dream and a very, very destructive one, as we know from the history of progressive movements in the 20th century, which killed 100 million people in peacetime. Killed 100 million people. Uh, the Soviet Union and uh, communist China did. Um, and, you know, they during the presidential election, they kept running to Trump asking him if he disavowed David Duke. At the same time, the Communist Party USA had explicitly endorsed Hillary Clinton and wrote a, uh, a long paper um, endorsing her. She was never asked to disavow the support of the communists. And somehow we just entirely ignore... Uh, the bloody history of what socialism leads to, and now we've got a whole uh, socialist wing really driving the debate uh, for one of our two major parties in this country. Despite all history and, uh, and evidence uh, proving where this always leads, back to Horowitz. Hitler killed them in wars. He killed plenty in peace, but he didn't kill 100 million people. It took a progressive to do that. It is a, as I've said in many places, a crypto religion. The world is a fallen place. And we're going to save it. This is what makes them so dangerous. They see themselves as a savior. A, a decent, I would say, I would say authentic, but an authentic religion says the world is a really screwed up place and human beings are incapable of unscrewing it. But when we die, 
we, I, you know, you have a faith. You know, you can't know you have a faith. My friend Christopher Hitchens could not know there was no God. That's just his religious faith. But a true religionist has the faith that it'll all be sorted out on the other side when we see face to face. That's the only kind of redemption or belief in redemption that I can respect. People who believe the redemption will take place in this life and they're going to be part of it, that's the Hitlers, that's the Lenins, that's the Maos. And unfortunately, it is the ideology moderated, of course, but the ideology, I mean, moderated for the American framework of the Democratic Party and the progressive left. If we have the power, we can do it. So if you believe that, as I said, that social institutions can change things by changing, getting enough power, then when you look at uh, your opponents, who are the people who are not going along with the program? You see yourself as the army of the saints. Who are they? They're the party of Satan. You are the party of Satan. If you want to understand a so-called liberal, just think of a hellfire and damnation preacher and, and his mentality. That's what it is. That's why they're rude. They're always interrupting. Violent. That's why it doesn't bother them in the least that there are no conservatives on their faculties. Because conservatives are evil. They're spreading ideas that are evil, that are keeping people from enjoying this paradise on earth that they're going to bring about. And they're hiding behind these uh, uh, these wild-eyed fantasies that somehow that they are at risk, that they are the victims. While they silence other people, they attack them in the streets, they try to deplatform them um, and threaten them with violence and loss of their livelihoods. They, they uh, fashion themselves as somehow virtuous. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up today's show uh, by looking at a little bit about... Uh, Donald Trump's latest tear, um, talking about John McCain and, uh, and his sorry history. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, right after these messages. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Well, the president has done it again. He's, uh, he's made remarks uh, indicating his ill will toward, you know, the recently deceased Senator John McCain, and it's got all of the Washington establishment just aghast. Old Mitch uh, McConnell himself came out and uh, and said that these comments were deplorable. Um, and of course, Mitt Romney never misses an opportunity to uh, to bash the president and has done so as well. And the, uh, the whole, you know, uh, reaction to this is based on 
the old admonition not to speak ill of the dead. But that admonition really doesn't apply when you're talking about uh, people of historical significance. And Senator John McCain certainly was. Uh, He was a major force in political life in this country for 40 years, I guess. And uh, and was the Republican presidential uh, nominee that uh, miserably lost to uh, to Barack Obama. Uh, but even more than that, um, John McCain basically uh, rose to prominence by being the conservative or the Republican, I should say, that Democrats and leftists could rely on to put the knife into the back of his uh, fellow uh, conservatives and Republicans. And he did that right up until his death uh, when uh, he won first, uh, despite having run on a, a promise that he would help uh, Trump secure the border after asking for and receiving Trump's endorsement for re-election. Uh, he went on to, uh, to betray a promise that he had made to his voters and to the president to support um, the, uh, the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. So Trump's been talking for several days about uh, McCain in response to questions. And, I, you know, I think uh, the, the problem is that, uh, that Trump doesn't know how. He hasn't acquired the politician's skill of deceiving people and refusing to, to answer questions. When somebody asks him a plain question, he responds with the truth. And he's done that several times and, uh, and even taken to Twitter uh, to say that, um, you know, John McCain's responsible for this terrible um, uh, Obamacare policy still being in effect. And, and McCain as well, along with his other Chamber of Commerce fellow travelers in the Republican Party, have fought and prevented Trump from uh, securing the border. So he was speaking at a um, a, uh, a a tank plant, a plant in Lima, Ohio, that manufactures uh, tanks for the U.S. Army. And uh, somebody asked him about it, and he said, "I have to be honest. I never liked him very much. Hasn't been for me. I've really uh, probably never will." Well, I share those sentiments exactly, and I I didn't mourn the passing of John McCain, and I thought the uh, state funeral that he was given was absolutely absurd and undeserved. John McCain spent uh, the last six months of his life planning this funeral in order to make it look like he was some sort of national treasure, when in fact, they didn't love him and the Democrat Party until after he died, and most Republicans didn't like him before he died. So I've got a couple of clips here. The first is uh, of Trump making these, uh, these remarks in Lima, Ohio, Uh, concerning McCain. I endorsed him at his request and I gave him the kind of funeral that he wanted, which as president, I had to approve. I don't care about this. I didn't get thank you. That's okay. We sent him on the way, but I wasn't a fan of John McCain. So now what we could say is now we're all set. I don't think I have to answer that question, but the press keeps, what do you think of McCain? What do you think? Not my kind of guy. But some people like him, and I think that's great. 
So the the truth of the matter is John McCain was given a funeral that was normally reserved for a president of the United States. And, and at his family's request, and maybe even his own, uh, Donald Trump gave that to him. He got uh, flags at half staff for over a week. He was a... a you know, he was given a, a state funeral, despite the fact that uh, Trump had to authorize this. Trump was not invited to the funeral, and they spent most of the funeral uh, ceremony insulting uh, President Trump. So if he's somewhat bitter about it, it might be understood. But um, again, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead unless the, the dead are historical figures that uh, have a legacy that uh, has to be reconciled by history and in which case uh you can you you not only uh should or not only can but should call out uh their failings for the benefit of uh of people that might be uh considering following in his footsteps like Mitt Romney here's what Lou Dobbs Lou Dobbs was on with uh, Ed Rollins uh two very uh smart people who uh, were commenting on this this whole uh, kerfuffle. People like, oh, let's say Mitt Romney, for example, undercutting this president because he got he made some uh, nasty remarks about John McCain. Now, there's a reason for those nasty remarks. There's a history between those two men. Uh, and the, the people who were attacking, including Mitch McConnell, attacking the president for his views uh, on John McCain is asinine. Well, John had broke his word to the president on the, on that vote. They would have right. had that vote. The uh, vote on the uh, vote on, on Obamacare. Uh, he he had they would not have had that vote that night if he hadn't promised the vote. Uh, they would have got somebody else to vote for right. it. Uh, and now it's, it's a bad bad blood, bad history there. And the and the reality is, McCain ran one of the worst presidential campaigns ever that elected Obama. And I, I knew John well and liked John over the years. Uh, but the reality is, uh, Trump did what he had to do, and he won he won a big big election against alleged the toughest uh, Democrat uh, in modern times. Uh, she didn't prove to be that, but that's what people thought she was. Well, she, she was strong enough to win the popular Absolutely. vote, uh, just not smart enough to win the electoral vote. Well, you don't go to Wisconsin, you don't go to Michigan, you don't go to Pennsylvania very much, uh, you're not going to do yeah. well. So. so I don't mourn the passing of John McCain. Uh, I'm not glad he's dead. I, I don't wish his family any ill. I'm certainly happy that he's no longer on the political scene. Uh, he was a disaster for the Republican Party. He uh, he was could be counted on to betray uh, the Republican agenda in, in order to worm his way onto the Sunday news shows. He was the Democrats' favorite Republican, and yet when he was running against Barack Obama, they uh, they you know played the race card. They called him a racist. They vilified him. Uh, they said he was a warmonger, which he certainly was. He was uh, he's probably responsible uh, indirectly for the loss of many, many thousands of uh, American service members lives because he he never saw a war that he didn't want to get into. He never saw a, a, an ongoing war that he was willing to get out of. And he could always be counted on to be a spokesperson for the military industrial complex, leading in a, us into yet another uh, disastrous war. Well, that's about all for this show. If, uh, if you like this, please like, comment, and share. Follow us on Facebook. Friend us, uh, yeah, fr- friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're not using the Spreaker app, I would highly recommend that. It is the best podcast 
app available out there and all your favorite uh, talk hosts are available on there until tomorrow uh, i hope you have a good day and i hope you'll join us again back here for another edition of right now with jim dawes When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.